Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. This is the show for coaches, speakers, and trainers who want to grow their businesses while making an impact in the world. My name is Simone Vincenzi, and I'm your host, and we bring you new episodes every single week. Sometimes it's a solo episode where I lift the veil on things that we are doing behind the scene in our business um, that is worth sharing and that you can take inspiration from, or you can learn the latest trends that are happening in the coaching and speaking industry on a business level. Uh, sometimes we interview clients and case studies uh, so you can see what they are doing to grow their business. And other times we have, like today, incredible guests that they are sharing their area of expertise. And today, we are going to talk about lighting your creating fire to explode your coaching business. So it's all about creativity. And we know how much creativity is important for your business and for your personal life. So stay tuned and make sure you listen to this episode until the end. But before we get going, I need to remind you about our webinar conversion kit. Because uh, as you know, right now, after the, the pandemic and in the world that we are living now, we are in a digital first world. And uh, while before it was easier to connect with clients and meeting people and uh, building those relationships, right now everything happens online. And having a presentation, a presentation that uh, is designed to attract clients and convert clients to your business, it is crucial. It's not a nice to have anymore. It is a must for every business. And that's why we have put together, after running more than 600 webinars, can you believe it? Run more than 600 webinars. We put together our webinar conversion kit, which is the creme de la creme of all that we have learned from my studies I've done on the webinar field and the testing that we did on how to create a high converting presentation that you can use over and over again, and they can give you clients in a predictable way. So make sure you check it out. It's the webinar conversion kit. You can find it at webinarconversionkit.com. Or you can uh, click the link below that is in the show notes, um, whether you're on YouTube or on a podcast platform, and then see it there. Uh, also, a couple more things. If you have not subscribed yet to the show, make sure you subscribe. And also, if you like the show until the end, uh, then let us know leave us a review. They are really important for us. It's the lifeblood of every podcast. All right. Now, all the, uh, the housekeeping are out of the way, so we can introduce our guest. And today we have the author of 17, 17 books. Can you believe it? 17 books, including the most recent book, Coaching the Brain. He's the co-founder of the International Coaching Community, founder of the Neuroscience Coaching Center, and he will bring his insights on creativity from neuroscience and coaching. And today, with How to Light the Creative Fire to Explode Your Coaching Business, please welcome Joseph O'Connor. Joseph, good to see you here. <laughs> great. Thank you, Simone. It's uh, great to be here. Well, so creativity creativity i gotta start what is in your opinion because i know creativity is very personal and i like to start with a with a with a curveball question on my episode so the question for you is uh, what is uh, the most creative thing that you think you have done in your life and you can creativity is very personal so i let you pick one and let's run with it oh um it oh. That's a difficult question. Well, it's it's a 
difficult question in the sense that there are so many possibilities because uh, I think that everybody is creative. In other words, they're, they're able to, to do something uh, that, that uniquely expresses <clears throat> themselves uh, in, in a unique way that's of value to other people. Uh, you know, they say <laughs> three, three things to do in your life, I think uh, was the old saying, uh, to have, have a child, to plant a tree, to write a book. Well, I have mm. done th th those three. Um, <laughs> the children uh, were the most wonderful, uh, but um, I can't claim any credit for the, the creativity of, of, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the children that come. But it's wonderful. We can claim a very little credit. Yeah, we, I, can, we can, I can claim we, we, just just a little, just a little. And then for the rest, it's not much. Yeah, and then you just uh, and then it, it just goes and it's <laughs> it's out of control. Um, but so creativity, I think, um, for myself, what, and this is a, the most, the easiest one to come across for me because it's the most recent, sure. uh, and that's writing a science fiction novel. And that's something that I've been promising myself to do for years when I had time. You know, I'm sure we all have this thing. I'm going to do this. I just, you know, just when this stops or when I have time here or, you know, then I'll, I'll, then I'll be able to do it. And uh, about a month ago, I thought I'm never going to have time unless I make time. So I did. And it's been a, a remarkable, a remarkable thing so far, at least in terms of the feeling, because. First of all, I sit down feeling what on earth am I going to do about this? There, there's nothing there. And then I get into it and it's amazing, the ideas that flow. Mm. And it, it's about that old saying, you know, you, in order to, to be creative and to do something of value, you've got to kind of jump off the cliff and then you make your parachute as you go down, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Um, and it, it always happens. So that's, that's my personal one at the moment, but I think that applies to, to all sorts of creativity where really basically the first thing is you've got to commit to it it's got to be important to you you've got to make time for it and then you've just got to commit to it now uh, so sign a science fiction a science fiction novel what was the novel about uh, oh, i can't describe that otherwise it, it wouldn't work no, well okay. basically it's about 50 years in the in the future and it uh it features a um uh an elite assassin and uh, a banking conspiracy round, well, the, the new science of NFTs and blockchain. Wow. What was the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself while writing that novel? The things that this and many other things are as easy or as difficult as you make them. In other words, as long as I had the idea of I haven't got time or uh, I've never written a novel before, that must be really yeah. difficult. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do it later. Um, it's not, not so important. As long as I have those ideas, it's not going to happen. As soon as I have the idea of, yeah, I want to do this. This is important. Um, and I'm going to give it a go. As soon as I have that and I give it a go, it flows. Hmm. It's almost the difference between there's nothing and then there's everything. So that's been my, my learning. 
in so in the sense it's it's much easier than I thought, but also quite difficult because the initial difficulty is giving up the block that stops you. And is that what, what you find is generally the, the first stumbling block that stops people from being creative? Or like, do you find this to be across the board? Because I know that's your field, the creativity. So, or is that something unique that just happened to you? Like, No, I think, I think that's true. I mean, tell you a story um, from, of my first book, the very first one I wrote, uh, which was a book called Not Pulling Strings. And it was about learning music and guitar and teaching because I was a, a professional classical guitarist. I used to teach mm-hmm. and um, I used to give concerts. So I thought, you know, it's time to kind of pass on what I know. So I, um, at the time, I remember I went to a workshop by a very interesting and gifted uh, American pianist called Eloise Ristad. And she'd written a book called A Soprano on Her Head. And her book was about basically overcoming stage fright, right. as you can imagine, you know, guitar, music, uh, it's huge. live performers. Um, <laughs> you've got to do it in the time and that's it. So uh, and the, the, it was an interesting book, very interesting. And the title came from the fact that she had an opera singer that was uh, paralyzed by stage fright. Mm. And one of the breakthroughs that she made with her was to get her to stand on her head <laughs> and sing. <laughs> which uh, I think worked because first of all it was a big pattern interrupt it's like what yeah. <laughs> and secondly when you stand on your head your throat muscles relax in different ways so mm-hmm. there's probably a reason there but anyway she gave this wonderful um, wonderful workshop and I went home from that workshop and I thought I want to write a book mm. and then immediately in came a, a, an internal voice with a little kind of slightly condescending and sneering voice tone goes, you can't write a book. Mm. And I go, well, hold on a minute. I've never actually written one. I've never even tried. How, how do I know whether I can write a book or not? I actually don't know. Um, the only question is, really, do I want to? And is it important to me? Is it something I really want to do? And is it valuable? And the answer to that was yes and yes. So then I go, okay, well, I'm going to find out whether I can write a book or not. And by writing a book, I mean something that has some value for other people besides myself and my yeah, parents. not 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 like Stephen King or can I put my thought on paper in a way that makes sense to other people? That's like the starting point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, you, you don't make a lot of money from, from books at all. It's not the point. Um, but the, the point is to, you know, is there something of value that I have that I can pass out in this form that other people can learn from? Yeah. And it seemed like there was, so I didn't stop. <laughs> it's, it's really relevant to this conversation for me at the moment because, uh, no, with GTEx we have about... Uh, I mean, GTEx, uh, I manage actively two companies at the moment, uh, and then we have another six companies we have invested in. So business life is busy. Like we, there is a lot going on. But I had a thought for, um, f- for a few months, and it's not going away. And when I got these things that are not going away, like I know I, I stop myself from being impulsive on making business decisions because uh, I can come up with a business idea every day. But this one is sticking. 
And somehow I've been stopping myself. And it's very relevant because one of my biggest passion is basketball. Oh. I play basketball multiple times a week. I love it. I play in a professional team, in a semi-professional team. It was like second division in the UK, in the right. UK league. Good. And uh, I'm passionate about bringing people together. That's why we have created the GTEx community. Uh, for me, GTEx is business training, but the primary part is bringing people together. That's what I think I was born for. I like, I'm a magnet for bringing people together. And uh, wanted to create uh, holidays, basketball themed holidays, for where people can go away, have uh, their basketball holidays. They, their wives or their partners, they have like an, a, a, an exclusive spa experience. So they don't resent the, their partners going away and play basketball and they can have time to do things together. And I've been talking about it for a few people, but somehow I'm, I've been telling the story to, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. I got too many things going on. Uh, basketball holidays with COVID is not going to work. And I've been thinking in the, in the past few days, you know, it's like, you know, what, what can I just start? Like, <laughs> I remember before when I started my first business, I didn't have all this. I don't have time and I don't have this. It was just the excitement to start. So it was very relevant uh, what, what you shared. How did, so how did you get to the point or when you have these blocks, how do you get to the point when you're like moving yourself forward? Even if uh, on paper or in your mind, like you've got too much going on. It's too busy. There's too many things because that's, I think, what also stops a lot of other people doing things like this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's a bit like spending your money, isn't it? There's there's a lot of things that you could spend your money on and you want to spend your money on. But in the end, you've got a limited amount of money. You make priorities. So there are some things that you do and there's some things that you don't do. And I think it's the same in terms of time. There's a limited amount of time. Uh, and that's it. You know, you it's important to spend that time on something that is valuable and enjoyable for you and hopefully creative for you as well, because I think that all human beings are naturally creative and given good opportunities, they have amazing things to offer everyone. Um, And also of value to other people. You know, you're you're saying you're bringing together other people and uh, there are many ways to bring together other people. Uh, And one of them certainly is, is through knowledge, leadership, um, basketballs, you know, any anything you like. Um, how did so? It's sometimes you've got to be, you've just got to be ruthless with yourself. You know, they say that the most powerful word is no, mm. and I think that's that's true. In the end, that's what you have to exercise. And it, I think it's funny that's that's one of the very first words that we learn as toddlers which drives our parents mad. No. It's the way that you actually assert your own individuality. Mm. You, know? you say no. And when you say no, that's it. You know, you've, you've drawn a boundary. Mm. And this is me and that's not. So you've got to say no to things, things that you have said yes to or you're tempted to say yes to, and particularly for very creative people. And it's very difficult because they know they're going to be good at many, many things. And the old rule applies that uh, if you want something done well, give it to a busy person because they're good at it. (laughs) So the busy, creative people attract more and more and more. And that can become a bit overwhelming. And in the end, everybody's got to say, "Okay, no, 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 no. This is what I've got to focus on. And if I don't do this, I know I'll regret it. 
What was the most difficult no you had to say that you're willing to share on this podcast? Because <laughs> I know there might be some, some things that we might not be willing to share in some personal situations, but what the, the, the most difficult no that you had to say? And there's, there's many examples. I'm just thinking of a, of a context. Um, I mean, I, I've separated myself from a lot of business enterprises that, that I've been involved in, um, either because they're, they're going well, but I just don't want to continue, or they're going well and I'd like to continue, but at the same time, I can't do everything. Um, I moved to Sao Paulo in Brazil uh, for seven years uh, back in 2020. So in that sense, it was difficult to say no to the life that I had in the UK, in London mm. at the time, but uh, it was absolutely the right decision. Um, and that was because of uh, my wife and partner, Andrea. So that's why I moved to Brazil. Yeah. Um, and then we both moved back, uh, or I moved back, and uh, we moved back together some years ago. But it's always about you know things have value until they don't that's not to say they didn't have value in the first place mm -hmm. um but there's always new things coming in and, and yeah. so we need to be constantly uh, evaluating and, and nimble and being able to to change and of course especially these days not put all your eggs in one basket mm, that's a very good point i things have value until they don't have it which sounds like a very simple statement but <laughs> it's quite deep though because uh, I think, you know, when we are in it, like I remember, for example, you know, let, let's think about partnerships. You know, I thought that my my ex-girlfriend was uh, the best partner that I could have ever had. <laughs> right? In that moment, it was incredible value. And now I'm married to someone else. <laughs> and that's, that's the fine. best partner, right? Yes. And, and that's a, a relate things on relationships, but I can go on in careers. I used to work and manage restaurants and work in the catering industry and like a good stereotypical Italian. And they, I remember once leaving a restaurant where I was earning really good money. It was an incredible environment. And I decided to make a different choice. And it was a very difficult now, but after a few months, something else came in to fill that so-called void. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, at the time, I think you've got to be, you've got to be fair with yourself. Um, at the time, you're, we're all doing the best we can. You know, at the time, this is the best I've got. And I think it's important to commit to that because if you hold back and think, well, maybe I'll just, you know, maybe I'll do that, but you never know, there might be something else coming along. So I'd better just be, you know, um, hold back a little bit you end up doing things never fully and you in the yeah. end you don't know whether they could be successful or not because you you think well you know I didn't really put my enough of myself in that so I think it's it's better you know what what you've got it's valuable and at the time go for it and then you know it, things can change yes and, and be willing to to do that doesn't discount or make any less valuable what you did before mm. I'm curious to know now, what got you started in starting the field of creativity? Uh, what was the moment that you said, you know what, 
I want to become an expert uh, in creativity. <laughs> it's, like, it's, not, it's not something that you, you, you probably, you know, when they, they ask you when you were a kid, what do you want to do when you, when you grow up? <laughs> so I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a pilot. I want to be yeah. a creativity expert. It's like, it's like, <laughs> so, yeah, that's well, the way this conversation stopper, isn't it? I want to be, <laughs> wanted to be a dentist or a footballer. Um, didn't turn out that way. I, I think... It's not. It's not something you can. I think it's something you when you you learn about if if you if you can. Um, it's. I mean, creativity is not something that you can try to be. You know, the moment you start going, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to be creative. Mm-hmm. Then the very effort of being creative will stop that. In in anything, the moment you try to do it, it's like trying to be spontaneous. The moment you try to be spontaneous, you're not. And I think the moment you try to be creative, you're not because you're trying. Um, it's, you know, don't don't push the river. It, just let it let it flow. I th- I, what I would say is that my background in music, particularly and coaching um, and neuroscience uh, has primed me uh, all of those in terms of, of what we call creativity. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's, it's something that we recognize and apply in every single field that there is of, of human endeavor. Uh, was that a particular catalyst, like a particular moment or something that uh, you either read or studied that ignited that uh, curiosity to go into this field? Because uh, I remember like I'm I'm a big student of creativity myself and less from a neurological point of view but I like to hear stories that's why I asked you like a few stories as well um and uh, uh, there was a TEDx talk which is a TED talk which is prob- I'm sure you, you you've heard you, you watched from Ken Robinson Sir Ken Robinson oh yeah uh, which is the probably the most famous TED talk of all time if I remember well and at that time, it was my restaurant manager, like it was the owner of the restaurant that I was working oh, in. Wow. That uh, we were, he was the person who got me into coaching and they got me out of restaurants, funny enough. And we were always talking and he gave me the book and said, watch this. And he gave me the book from Ken Robinson around creativity. And that was a complete eye opener for me. And that's where I realized that, you know what? I have more to offer to the world than being a waiter. I was 22 at the time, so I was very lucky that I found uh, that mentor and those resources so early because that's where I went into coaching when I was 22. So that was uh, a blessing uh, coming across the 30 in, in terms of age. Yeah. Uh, but that was what it would ignite in my curiosity. So that was the catalyst for me. What was mm-hmm. that? I don't know if you can remember that catalyst moment for you. I, I can't remember any particular one moment, but certainly um, as... Well, I, I started playing the guitar when I was about 11, and I was pretty good by the time I was late teens. But it was fascinating how you can take, you know, those 12 notes, 12 tones of, of Western music and create infinite amounts of, of music, um, of which some have value and some are, are inspired. And I, I'm thinking... This is incredible. What's the difference between taking those 12 
notes and and putting them in a way where people go oh yeah okay and where they go wow you know and listen to it and write it down and pay for it and it's still played and and uh listened to 500 years later you know there's there's something there there's some spirit there um what is it um i don't think there's ever going to be a you know you you, cut, you don't get an intellectual answer to that uh, i don't think but i think you can get a lived answer to that to, to some extent yeah um if talking about music is fascinating uh, um i don't consider myself a musician but i love music and uh, i i can read basic music but i've always uh, played with instruments so um at the beginning it was uh, harmonica i played with it's really fun and then uh, i settled in with a didgeridoo which is uh, <laughs> an odd instrument for an italian to play and uh, <laughs> what, what i started doing is a beatboxing with the didgeridoo and when you were talking about uh, uh, that's actually, that's how I opened my TEDx talk, like I'm doing beatboxing with the didgeridoo. And um, that was the attention grabber <laughs> of the, of the <laughs> beginning of the presentation, right? You got to start your talk with an attention grabber. I started public speaking. So, uh, and it, it's fascinating, you know, you were talking about the, tw- the, the 12 notes and you got these 12 notes and you make music. With the didgeridoo, you have a, a tube, <laughs> And the vibration of your lips. Mm. Mm. And you can create all sorts of sounds. You can create all sorts of melodies. You can create all sorts of uh, rhythm with it. And uh, is part of the creative process. So my question for you is, uh, you know, what would you say to someone who says, you know, what, ah, you know, good for you. You're a musician. You were starting, you know, whether you like it or not, music is a creative process. So you had an advantage. What would you say to that person that they don't think they are creative though? I, what would I say? I think I would say something like, um, what, what do you mean by creative? I think that might be my first question because many people believe that creativity has to produce something brand new sparkling, surprising, uh, where everybody goes, wow, never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't happen. Um, creativity is, is always a, a mixture of, of what's known already, uh, put together with other things that are known already, but in a completely different way, in a different context, mm-hmm. which then has value, either in terms of, I like to say, in, you know the the good the true and the beautiful you know it's going to be good it's going to be true it's going to be beautiful yeah some kind of way um so it has value for other people because anyone can be creative in terms of producing something new and it doesn't have value for anyone else but to to be able to take things that are pre-existing there's 12 musical notes they've been around for you know (laughs) millennia uh, and to put them together in a new way, in a new context, maybe even creating a new genre of music. Mm. Now that's something. Just let me circle back a moment because you asked about a particular time that um, okay. got me creativity. And I, I now there's a particular time I was playing. Uh, it was in the, the 60s. I was in a band. <laughs> Everyone was in a band in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and we were jamming. In other words, we were just messing around. Uh, three guitarists messing around. And uh, we used to mess around for, for half an hour or so at a time, just seeing what would come out. And some of it was <laughs> pretty bad. Some of it was nothing much. But there was one time where there was just absolute magic. And it wasn't me, but I, I um, gave something to that. It was the perfect moment where three people just happened to do something at the same time that produced something amazing. Mm. And I, I think for me also, and, and what I also want to say is, it's not just about individual creativity. You know, it's not just about the, the lone person sitting at home and producing a masterpiece. We all stand on each other's shoulders. And some of the best things are precisely that. They're with other people where you, you're just there and it, it just sparks somehow. Uh, and then the question becomes, well, how can you make that spark happen? And, and that's something else. <laughs> well, let, let's try to answer that question, shall we? Shall we? <laughs> okay, shall we? <laughs> now that I have you here, let's try. <laughs> how do you create that? I think, um, I think you have to be open First of all, paradoxically, not to try to create something brilliant, because if you sit down trying to create something brilliant, again, you're trying to do something and it's likely that's not going to happen. Um, and, and not and take out the ego a bit as well, because if, if you want to shine uh, as the lead guitarist in that particular example, then, uh, you know, I would always be trying to dominate as lead guitarist yeah. and, and wouldn't allow anything else to happen so i think you've got to, to tone down the ego in that situation and i think that there is some uh, either explicit or implicit learning involved as well um you know the, the three of us played the guitar pretty well so there was we had some skills there that yeah. then came out of that but we all have implicit learning we all have a, a life uh, an experienced life a felt life of in uncountable experiences, uh, unique experiences that add up to our implicit learning. And that is the, I don't, I'm tempted to use database, but I don't want to make it computer or, or yeah. mathematical, but that's kind of what we draw on all the time for our creativity. Uh, and we all have that, it's just different. Uh, just so it, again, it just depends what sort of context you're going to be creative in. If you want to be creative in a business context, then you know you can't expect to to be to not know anything about business. Go in there and and uh, be able to create something immediately. You're going to have to learn the ropes, uh, uh, and I think it's the same in many of those fields. But at the same time, any of those expertise-led fields are still going to draw on the unique experience of the person who has that expertise. Uh, it is uh, really interesting because what I'm hearing you saying, and if I also reflect back on my own experience, I think we can fairly say that it's pretty true, um, that we also need to get to the point in terms of learning a certain skill where we can then allow the flow, flow to happen. What I mean about that is uh, um, I, I remember I started playing basketball 
seriously about five years ago. So I was 28 and I was like, I dedicated all my life to like my a good 10 years of my life to business and to working and uh, did nothing else. <laughs> Just worked my ass off. And I was like, you know what? I, I like basketball. I want to restart playing basketball now that uh, I've got to be more capacity. I have a team. I got things. Why don't I do something for myself? And so after stopping, uh, uh, last time I I played, probably I was like 18, 28, or stopped for eight years. And at the beginning, there wasn't much creativity in my basketball. (laughs) I was literally a lot of thinking about what I was going to do, what I was going to put the ball, frustration because the shots wouldn't go in, frustration because I'm pretty short. And so everyone was just destroying me because I didn't have enough skills. And then... I became a bit better, a little better, a little better and played regularly over this period of five years. And now there is a time uh, and it doesn't happen often, but there are still times, there are times where just things go in or there is uh, my body just knows what to do. I don't think about I'm going left or I'm going right or I'm, I'm now doing a fake. My body just does it. Yes. And that's, uh, I think, is an expression of creativity in that particular skill of basketball. Now, let's take it to a level of the NBA or other, the, the, the UK league or the European league for the, the element of sport. When you see incredible players doing things that they don't, how did they do that? And they say, I, I don't know, just, I just did it, right? And so is it true that actually the, the skill, is that also what allows that creativity to happen or that flow to happen? Or, yeah, I think so. I mean, it depends on the context, but you know, I learned the guitar and I, I put in a lot of time uh, teaching my hands to move in a particular way, and the, that's technique. And the point of the technique is to bring to a bring you to a place where you can forget the technique, mm. and just just allow that technique to to let the music flow. That's the po- that's the whole point of technique. To get good at something is to is to, I think, to reach the point where you don't think about being good at it anymore. You've done that bit. It just allows it to come through. So, you know, in the basketball, in the playing of music, in, in any field, uh, if, you've, if you've done the, the work, then there's going to be a time, as you said, that flow experience that's been written about so much, where suddenly you're not doing it anymore. It's just being done through you, as it were. And it's it's a wonderful feeling. Mm. Uh, and of course, the moment you think, wow, I'm, I'm doing really great here. I'm in flow. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're out of flow. <laughs> That's, That's 22. Yeah. So, but yes, I think, um, you know, that all uh, what you describe is, is absolutely right. And uh, I think we all uh, in many ways want to recapture some experience of flow that we've had. I, I want to know how did then we bring this now into the coaching conversation, either running a coaching business or when we coach clients in our coaching practice, how do we then bridge this gap? Because we've been talking around more the philosophy or science of creativity. And now let's apply it to the specific field of coaching. Mm. Uh, what, what have you come up with? What have you discovered? Well, I think uh, certainly as a coach, it's, it's important that you listen to 
your client and what your client says. And that's what's the important thing. You don't try to impose your own ideas or mental models on, on what they're saying, but you listen. And out of what they say, so there develops a conversation which is co-created. It's it's not like the coach doing coaching on the client. It's like a, a co-created conversation. Um, my metaphor is a, is mountain climbing where the coach is the guide and you don't know actually how high the mountain is and you don't know uh, the right path um, but you can you have some expertise in mountains <laughs> so you can help the client on that path and sometimes you go up and, and then you have to have to come down again and go up the other way so as a as a coach I think it's about really listening to the client and the other person and, and not as far as possible, not allowing your own biases or judgments to come in and then something will develop. And at the same time, if you're talking about a business or coaching business, um, that's more complex because it's not interpersonal. But um, I think all business people will have had times where they're just kind of sitting back and letting letting the thoughts move around and mm. they go, ah, just a minute. <laughs> now I think that might work. And then they spend the next two years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> seeing if it does or how well it does or something like that. Mm. Uh, so, well, that that's two examples that come to mind. Oh, they're great examples because on one side, there is the trust in yourself and the creativity that you're putting in, helping your clients, solving uh, the challenges that they have. And then on the other side, for your own business, uh, I I kind of know, it's, it's weird to say, but I kind of know when an idea is going to work or not. Mm. There is uh, something within me that just doesn't give up on it. And uh, I've learned to recognize it. That's, that's the best way to describe it. I remember when uh, I had the job offer to come and work in London, logically with the situation that I had in Italy with my family and, the situ- and what I was going through at the moment. It wasn't a logical decision. Mm. But something inside me said, no, that's, you got to move. You got to go. And no matter what everyone else was saying around me, I made that decision. It wasn't an easy decision to make, but I knew it was the right decision. Yeah. Another element, another example that I had recently was three years ago, we decided to launch a new program called the Profile Builder. I, I use, I've been, I used to contribute to, I contribute to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. I used a lot of media to grow my business. And uh, we never thought that or created a program to help our clients uh, raise their profile with the media. And we had quite a few conversations with our team and about, uh, we were four people who were talking about it and three of them, and I was one of the four and three were against it. So it would not attract the kind, the right people that we wanted to work with. But something inside me said, no, this is the right thing to join. This is the right thing to do. He ended up being one of the most successful program you ever launched. And the best program, because it was the first one that we delivered online that prepared us for the pandemic. Uh Uh, The reason why we're still in business, before we were running an event company, we're running 200 events a year. The pandemic hit. 
But at, by that point, we already run one year of Profile Builder and we already had marketing sales systems in place and delivery system in place to deliver online. So that program saved our ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, literally, so there are all these examples and I think that sometimes uh, when you are, and and I don't, and they often come to me when I'm either riding my bicycle or not when I'm not, not when I'm thinking about it. I think there is a bit of cliche, you know, where you're in the shower or, (laughs) but you are not thinking about it. And suddenly it's like, boom, that's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You've got to not think about it in a particular way. If if I kind of call on my neuroscience uh, readings, there's parts of the brain called the default mode network and it's involved in kind of daydreaming. Um, and the daydreaming is all about me. It doesn't relate to other people, and it's got not goal-oriented, and it doesn't use any part of the brain that's involved in action. Oh. And that's not <laughs> creativity. In fact, it's almost the opposite, because it's all about me, uh, and it's not about other people. It's not goal-oriented, and uh, there isn't a connection. So, you know... We're not talking here about just daydreaming about how nice it would be or something like that. It's something a little bit different. Um, And it's interesting, your your example of... of, uh, And it happens a lot, I think, especially... There's a lot of people, I think, uh, now thinking, thank God, a couple of years ago, I did that, (laughs) you know, because if I hadn't, yeah. This would be pretty bad. And I think there's many more people like that um, than, than we know about. Uh, it's, it's been, you know, it's been very difficult, uh, but it would be even more difficult, I think, if, uh, if we hadn't taken some decisions uh, at the time. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So now, final parts of the interview, uh, lifting the veil. So that's where we ask all our guests to share something that either they discovered recently uh, that uh, people need to know about. It can be a practice, an app, a book, a website, uh, a place to have dinner, anything that uh, you, you, people need to know about it. What is that for you? Wow, that is so much again. Um, so much. No, difficult one again because it's there's always the the recent ones become you know uh, are more well they're more recent so they're more easy to they're more easy to come to mind. There's a number of books recently that I've read. There's a number of books that uh, I've read many years ago and always come back to. Uh, and that's a really hard question to answer. Can you ask it again slightly differently and maybe sure. What is something that you have discovered recently? that uh, people need to know about because you find it incredibly useful for you oh okay well that then that's well i'll tell you what came to mind and and i'll say it anyway um walking in the country just um seeing the seeing nature uh without any without having without it having to do anything or be anything um I'm I'm lucky insofar as I live in in a nice area of the countryside, but there's always some natural areas just to go out for a few minutes and go, wow, you know, this is beautiful. And it it just refreshes your spirit. And then when you come back and, you know, 
back to the computer. Uh, you've got that little bit of extra space in your head, and because mm-hmm. you've you've been in a world um, that is open rather than focused. And they were both necessary, but you know that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, th- thank you for sharing, and uh, you know it's something that I think uh, with uh, people staying close in, in house, it becomes. Uh, I found myself, and I'm extremely extroverted, so I love to go out, I love to see places, I love to see people, I love to see new things. Um, but I found myself actually having to convince myself to actually get out of the house. So I think. Yeah. Uh, after the the months of being stuck indoor, now we are at a point where you know what actually let's create some space let's take ownership of that and enjoy nature enjoy uh enjoy life uh, that, that's why i love hiking yeah. I, I absolutely love hiking my wife and i every holiday we can we have a hiking we go somewhere where there are hiking trails or tracks where we can follow for the same reason for the very same reason is, is an open word something we are just there not not like we're just walking yeah nothing else that other than walking yeah. yeah wonderful i like to get lost um yeah. i don't know if you'd like to get lost on your hike um I, I i i have a problem with getting lost because then i don't come back <laughs> I, so, I have a terrible uh, sense of uh, like spatial awareness and so I actually need to know where I am. Otherwise, I love getting lost, but I'm not sure I'm going to come back. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> you do need to know eventually, of course, how to come exactly. back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, uh, let's wrap up the interview. Uh, Joseph, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show and uh, a very insightful interview, getting to know you better and uh, getting to know your insights around creativity, your stories. I'm sure that now our listeners or whoever is watching, people uh, that are watching, they they are interested in getting to know more about you. Maybe find out a bit more um, about the the last book that you have uh, that you have written or um, what you have for them. So over to you. How can people find more about you and what do you have to offer? Oh, okay. Well, many thanks. It's been it's been a great pleasure to speak with you, and and uh, it's, we've had a great conversation. It's it's really nice. Thank you, Simone. Um. So, uh, yeah, well, the website Coaching the Brain, um, I run courses on uh, coaching using the insights of neuroscience, uh, but in a practical way, because the last book was called Coaching the Brain, um, Practical Applications of Neuroscience to Coaching. So I think that's very important because it's fascinating enough. You can go inside the brain, but knowing all the Latin names of the different brain parts doesn't make you a better coach. You have to be able to you know, apply it. So I do that. Um, I also teach uh, creative business writing uh, on a, uh, there's a website, lambentwriting.com. So those two, and those are the two courses that uh, I'm particularly interested in at the moment. Uh, yeah, those, you know, at the moment, those are the two that, uh, that take my interest and those are the two that I'd, I'd like people to know about. All right, that's brilliant. So all the links are going to be in the show notes. So one is coachingthebrain.com. So that's one, coachingthebrain.com. And the other one is lambertwriting.com. So coachingthebrain.com and lambertwriting. Yeah, it's lambent. Lambent. Lambent writing. Thank you. Lambent writing. 
www.ghostbusinessmovie.com and you can find all the links in the show notes. So make sure you scroll down, uh, check them out. Check also uh, Joseph's latest book as well. Uh, and particularly as we are here in the coaching and speaking field, you know, having uh, this extra tool and understanding from a neuroscience point of view, how we can interact with our clients and be more effective. That's incredibly powerful. So make sure you check out those resources. Um, Joseph, thank you very much for being here on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Simone. It's been a great pleasure for me too. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for watching or listening. I cannot wait to see you next episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. Uh, we have a few surprises with the new year. Uh, maybe we are going to change the name of the show. <clears throat> um, spoiler alert. Uh, so keep tuned uh, for it. And if you haven't left a review yet or subscribe, what are you waiting for? Subscribe right now is really good for the podcast. We can get other incredible guests like Joseph. And also it's really good for my ego. I really appreciate a good five-star review and, and, and a new subscriber. So please do that. And um, until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.